Hello and welcome to From Mrs. to Me, a podcast where you'll be inspired by courageous stories of strength and resilience told by women just like you who have been through the upheaval of divorce. This is their journey from Mrs. to Me, finding their true identity and creating a bold, beautiful life. I'm Chrissy Freeman, and I'm your host, a certified life coach and divorce mother of two. Join me each week as we explore real stories of divorce and what it takes to transform and live in alignment with the real you. Hello, and welcome to another episode of From Mrs. to Me. I'm Chrissy Freeman, and I'm your host. I'm so excited about this episode today, and there is so much you will gain from the inspiring transformational story of my next guest. Lori James is a mother, divorcee, recovering caregiver, turned author, somatic relationship coach, and podcaster. Lori's podcast, Confessions of a Free Bird, was inspired by her youngest of four children, Leaving the Nest, and the sequel to her book, Sandwiched a memoir of holding on and letting go. Lori's book is about her journey from loneliness to finding belonging during a time when she was raising four teenage daughters, her mother had a heart attack, and her marriage began to to crumble. Lori coaches women in midlife and beyond looking to date and relationship differently. She helps her clients connect to their bodies and nervous systems so they can work through their unresolved past and find freedom and love in their relationships. When she is not coaching clients or podcasting, she can be found nurturing her free spirit by walking her dog, skiing, sailing, hiking, spending time with close friends, or planning her next adventure. And so much more (laughs) that will also be shared in the show notes. Wow. Talk about inspiring. There is so much our audience can learn from your story, and I can't wait to get started. Welcome, Lori. Thank you, Chrissy, for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation and share my journey with you and your listeners. Great. Well, as you know, um, this podcast is to provide hope to listeners who may be struggling with making the decision to leave a marriage. Maybe they're Mm -hmm. overcoming the overwhelm of divorce or starting over and really trying to discover their truth to ultimately creating a fulfilling life. So you've clearly experienced all of these things. So (laughs) can you take us back a bit though and start by sharing sort of who was Lori when your marriage started falling apart? Yeah, that's a... Great, great question. And what's interesting is I'm six years out from leaving my marriage. And when I think back to who I was back then, I was a completely different person than I am today. I mean, yes, I looked the same. My basic personalities were the same. But when I think about how I feel on the inside now, in comparison to what I was feeling then, it's really transformative. Um, So just to share a little bit more with your listeners. So I, when my marriage began to fall apart, I was 
caring for four teenage daughters, one set of twins in there. My mother had just fallen ill and I ended up caring for her, overseeing the care for her and my dad for 14 and a half years. My dad passed away a little over a year ago and my marriage began to fall apart. I was of the mindset, like probably some of your listeners of, I'm in this for life. I made a vow. I'm committed to this relationship. And that was an ideal that I, and a mind shift and a perspective that I had to change when I was there. Because when you're in a marriage where you're constantly fighting, there's no we there's him and you. A marriage is a we. A marriage is a team. And I didn't have that. I had a marriage that as long as I went along with what he wanted the majority of the time, everything was great, which I did for the first 17 and a half years until I got hit with an emotional two by four which AKA is betrayal. It wasn't infidelity, but it was financial betrayal. And it was a major decision that he universally made that really, when I say emotional two by four, because it woke me up to who I was married to. And I think before that, because I was raising four kids, which is a lot, Two kids is a lot. I did stay home and I wouldn't have traded that for the world. I loved staying home with my kids. I knew I wanted to do something more after my kids were grown and was looking into that. At the time, my mom fell ill and my dad wasn't capable of overseeing her care. And I have two brothers. One has drug addiction. My oldest has drug addiction and my middle brother was a workaholic and he often would use that as his excuse to not show up and not help. Um, And that was something else that I had to work through. But when this emotional two by four hit me in my head, and if anybody's interested, I wrote a book about this called sandwiched. It's the, it's about the sandwich generation. Um, the the title of my book is Sandwiched, a memoir of holding on and letting go. And my book is about the sandwich generation. It's about parenting. It's about marriage. It's about family. It's about adoption because I'm also adopted. But really the book is about me going from feeling very alone most of my life to finding belonging. And who do we belong to? Yeah. Ourselves. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Right. And And I, and I had lost that. And it takes those two by fours sometimes, you know, I hear from women all the time that should I stay or should I go? And ultimately we have to be ready. And there always is that op, that one situation or two or three or four, but it's that one situation takes this one situation that changes it all. And so, you know, I'll 
ask you, Lori, for, um, as you, you know, as you talk to, talked about, and I know there's so many beautiful things in your book that I definitely want you to share. But as you thought, as, as this two by four is hitting you, this sort of financial um, infidelity, if you will, um, or betrayal, um, mm-hmm. was that the moment that you realized that something needed to change? Or was it yeah. something else? Okay. No, and this is the mistake I made because I didn't have any needs for the majority of my relationship with him. Cause I thought, Oh, well, when I need something, he'll be there for me because we're in this together. We're dividing and conquering. I'm staying home to raise the kids. He's out there working. We're in this together, but we weren't. And when that two by four hit me in the head, I went into therapy and it got to a point where I said, I'm going to therapy and I don't care if you go with me or not, but I need to go because I am dying inside. I'm miserable. And as, even as I'm saying this, like it's taking me back there and I'm have, you know, I sense emotion, uh, behind my words because it was, I had to hit rock bottom. And I think we all do, right? We all do. Regardless of what it is. And for those who don't hit rock bottom and notice them starting to drown good and and getting out before they hit rock bottom, good for you. But I wasn't that person. (laughs) I needed to hit rock bottom. So, and that, so I put myself into therapy, but what I did is I sat there in therapy and I said, And the first, so what happened is that I said I was going to go to therapy no matter what. And he said, well, then I'll go with you. But the only reason he really went is because he was a, he wanted to know what I was going to say about him. Mm, He still wanted some control. He wanted control. But the first therapy session, he was traveling, so he wasn't in town. So I went into couples therapy by myself, which is an oxymoron. I love it there. I love it. (laughs) And I said, here's the laundry list of things that I want to change about him. (laughs) So it was all about him, him, him. Yep. Yeah. And so that's where I started. That's where I started. And so I had a lot of learning and growing to do myself through that process. And to make a long story short, we were in therapy for five and a half years. I even went away for a week long, and he did too, for a week long intensive therapy where, you know, you you go away for a week and you're in therapy, group therapy for a week. It's a really wonderful program if anybody's interested. It's, called, it's Pia Melody's program out in Wickenburg, um, Arizona. And there's other ones too that people can go to. But I had a lot of childhood trauma. My ex had a lot of childhood trauma. Just being adopted is tra- traumatic. And I didn't, I'd never really addressed that. But through that five and a half years, of therapy, I tried to leave twice. The first time I wasn't ready, I wasn't really strong enough, but in the moment, 
you know, whatever we were fighting about was just the straw that broke the camel's back. And then the second time I was ready, except for my twins, who are my youngest, were juniors in in high school. And one, so I was leaving for a trip to go see my older two daughters who were one, my oldest lived in Chicago at the time and my middle was in college. So she and I were going to go have a girls weekend in, in Chicago. And that morning, I don't even remember the exact, I, I kind of do remember, but I won't get into the details. We had big fight and I told him I want a separation. And I even told my older two girls, I came home and one of my twins literally had an anxiety and panic attack. When I got home, she didn't know what my plans were, but she had an anxiety attack. She was hyperventilating. She was dry heaving. She was having a panic attack. And I thought in that moment, oh my God, I want to leave so bad, but I need to put my kids first at this point. Mm. She's a junior in high school. I'm so glad. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that just real quick, Lori, because I think it's important point to, to, to call out for our listeners is it, it, there are a lot of us who we aren't ready the first time, or there are circumstances that come up. And I can't tell you the amount of people who, you know, it's been four times that they've tried to leave. And then finally that fifth time they either had the courage or, you know, they felt that they were, you know, stable enough, or it was their kids, you know, and so you will know. And I think that for you as a mom, I can understand as being a mom myself, I can understand that and feel that experience. Yeah. And what I want to say about that also is I beat myself up for it though. So if anybody's listening who has experienced that and then tell themselves you're because they didn't leave, God, you're weak. What's wrong with you? Because that's what I did to myself. And so if anybody's listening who finds themselves in that position where they do feel weak, they feel like they're beating themselves up, don't. Give yourself space and be compassionate towards yourself. Because we're humans, we're not perfect, we cannot handle it all, even though we think we can. And so be gentle and kind and it it will come. You will know when you're ready. Yes, I I love that. My therapist would tell me that all the time and I hated her. (laughs) Yeah, because you know what? We can't change the past. We can't go back. We can only go forward, right? And so many times we look back, I've done the same thing, you know, we all do, where you say, oh, if only I had left sooner, my life would be different. I went, well, you weren't ready at that point. And maybe you hadn't learned everything you needed to learn. And so when you were ready, you had learned everything you needed to learn and it was time to move on. But staying, staying stuck in that place of, regret or, you know, not doing things at a particular time is not going to help you to move forward to create the life that you want. And so, and that negative self-talk is only going to keep you in that space longer. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things that I love that you, um, 
to transition just a little bit about your book. But one of the things that I love that I read that was referenced about your book, and again, I'm just for the audience, again, it's Sandwich, a memoir holding on and let it, a mem- memoir of, let, of holding on and letting go. Um, but what it said or how you, what you described, one of the things you, you described about it was, it says, as she explores the layers of her life and heals her past, she realizes that she's the only one who can create mm-hmm. the life she wants and deserves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that so much. And without giving too much away about the book, can you tell me more about the healing journey itself and your path of discovery and sort of creating that life that you yeah. have today? Yeah. Um, so that's a great question. And there's so much packed into that question. So let me see if I can be as concise so I don't just go rambling on and and pick out the key points for you. When all this happened, that was like for a lot of us, I would have a pity party for one often, (laughs) but then I would pull my big girl panties on and I tried to take look at what was happening and ask myself, what am I supposed to learn from this? What are the life lessons I'm supposed to learn from this? So when a lot of this was happening, a couple of things I I did. One is I developed a very strong female tribe. I had had some close girlfriends, but because I felt so lonely in my marriage, I was trying to see if just building a better friend group would would suffice. But also what it helped me do is it that gave me the support and the foundation. So once I did leave, I had a solid group of girlfriends that had my back. The I went on a spiritual journey like a lot of people do. Why is this happening? What am I supposed to learn from this? Because look, we can either blame the other person or we can take responsibility for our part in what's happening. So the the other thing that I did was I speak with the friends that I was making. One of the things that I did is I started an energy class. It was a little woo-woo, but I made some great, incredible friends out of that group. And we are still, we've expanded, but we are still the core of this incredible group of women who, and I was in it for three years and we started a spiritual book club out of it. We go on a women's getaway in nature once uh, once a year. We you know, celebrate birthdays together and you know, some of our friends are now moving out of state but we're still this solid group of women. And for, for women, that is so important. We need our girlfriends, right? So there's the spiritual, there's the, there's the friend group. And then, you know, there was me looking at my part. And so I had lost myself in my marriage. I did. I gave way too much to him, to, I, I don't want to say my kids because... I, I don't believe that, but I gave way too much of myself to him without it being reciprocated. 
And that took me because I just assumed if I give, he'll see that and that he'll give in return or when I need it, he'll give in return. But takers have no boundaries. And a taker is going to take and take and take until you set a boundary. So you can't, you can't use that by example kind of mentality like we do with our kids, right? <laughs> no, it's very different. It's very different as a parent versus a partner. It's very, it yes. very different. <laughs> oh, so the friend group, my spirituality, and continuing to build my strength and heal what my heal my self-worth, right? I struggled with confidence. I struggled with self-worth because my relationship, and I didn't really even know it until I started to recognize it. But, you know, when you have somebody that's constantly putting you down or telling you're not good enough, you internalize that. You know, I was, right. I had four kids. I made dinner five nights out of the week. The house was spotless. 14 loads of laundry a week, like you name it. I'm a very productive person, almost too too productive because then I would burn myself out and become exhausted. But but then I would he would come home and say, Oh, well, what's this spot on the counter? Or why is there grease on the floor? Or, you know, some little thing that he would pick out, especially when we were not in a good place. And 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 he was very good at telling me what what I should do and what I shouldn't do. Let me just, <laughs> I don't know if you want me, a very early, <laughs> this should have been a warning sign. Very, very early on in our marriage, <laughs> we were having, we were hosting one of our first Thanksgivings and we were having his family and my family and I was pregnant and I had like a two-year-old and he came into the kitchen and was starting to tell me how to cook. Oh boy. <laughs> and I said... I said, if you want to cook, go ahead. I'm leaving. I'm going to the movies. Good for and you. And he was very good at giving direction. And I did. But then he would still do it. He would come because he knew. He knew best. He knew better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And finally, I got to the point where I said, you cannot come into this kitchen unless the only question you can ask in my kitchen is, how can I help? <laughs> yes, I love that. Take note, ladies. That is a really good one for those of us. It didn't that, always work, but yeah, no, I love that. Yes. And, so, and so many so when, great when you have somebody. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and go ahead. yeah, I mean, just so many good nuggets there um, that I want to highlight before you get too far along. Um, one of them first is this whole, you know, you said about sort of finding your tribe, your female tribe. You know, I talk a lot yeah. similar about finding your village, right? And what yeah. I hear from people um, a, a lot is, is that, or women, is that, you know, how do I find these women? You know, they've been in a marriage like you um, where, you know, they sort of lost their way. Everything was about the marriage and the family and they didn't mm-hmm. have connections outside. And then all of a sudden that's gone. and. So I, you know, mm-hmm. I hear that question around, so how do I start from scratch? Like, how do I, how do I put myself out there? So I first want to ask you that, how did you go about 
rebuilding and finding those friendships, those heart connections with other women. Yeah. So I was, I was into yoga. So that helped. One of the things one of my girlfriends and I did is I will, I started going to a yoga retreat once a year with one of my girlfriends that was in my smaller circle. And so I started meeting other like-minded women through that. I started going to the yoga studio that um, was close to me that a lot of these women would go to. And I said yes a lot. I would try different friend groups. And I would also ask, I told my group of friends, I said, I need to expand my friend group. So if, if there's an opportunity, I, I'd love for you to keep me in mind. Oh, I love and that. then let it go and not get offended if you don't get invited. Yes. Right? Because that's the universe taking care of you. Don't get offended if you don't get invited and just keep putting yourself out there. It's scary. And, but, and just be yourself, just be yourself. Yes. And it's hard because it's scary and you want to put on a, a good face. And, but also observe who are these other women that I'm hanging with? Do I feel that heart connection? Do I feel connected? Are we like minded? Because, because you can attach yourself to a village or a female tribe and they're not the right tribe for you. Mm -hmm. So can you be yourself? Can you just like feel like you're sitting on the couch with your best friend in your sweats and your hair up in a bun with no makeup on, drinking wine and laughing your ass off? Yes. And they accept you just as you, as you are. That's that authenticity. That's well, you right. know, we talk about all the time is, and, and one of those, one of the things that also happens after divorce is your friends change and, mm -hmm. and your friends change because you've yeah. changed and yeah. that's okay. And if you are different, you know, you're, you're going through this whole journey of really rediscovering yourself again. What lights me up? Yeah. What do I enjoy? And so the friends that you had while you were in the marriage, if you did have some, may not be going in that same direction. And, and yeah. that's okay. That doesn't say anything about you. It says, or, or, or there's no judgment there about you. It's really, this is the path I'm on. And this is because right. I'm putting myself first. Yeah. And what I'll say about that, and this is sometimes a hard pill for people to swallow, is your true friends will have your back as you're going through this transition and they will understand and they will have your back. And if they don't, they're not a true friend and that's, it's time to shed. And when we shed or, and when somebody leaves, it just makes room for something better to come in, a better friend, better connection to enter. Exactly. Oh, but yes. it is, it's hard because if anybody's in that place, you, you're not feeling good about yourself. You don't have a lot of self-confidence in that moment because you feel that your marriage is a reflection of you and you feel like a failure. It's not a failure. It just means that, and, and this took me a long time and a lot of therapy to get through. It just means it's time for a redirection. 
And being on the other side and six years out from my marriage, I couldn't be happier. I don't think I've ever been this happy in my entire life. Oh, I love hearing that. That's great. And that's what I think that's, that is, you know, you went through a period where some of the, the audience may be right now, meaning, yeah, right? Fear, fear in, in, when fear takes over, it paralyzes us, right? And we totally. feel stuck. And then we, you know, our mind starts to swirl and takes over. And you were able to slowly take one step forward every day to start to make change happen. And so that was kind of where I was headed with this was, you know, we women struggle with their identity after divorce because, you know, you go from being a wife to a single mom and who am I now? I'm, I'm not this wife anymore. You know, the family unit has changed and mm-hmm. there's so much fear around what do I do now? And so I'd love to hear sort of how you overcame that fear. And I had that fear because my ex-husband was, he was a very successful businessman. He worked for a large corporation. And so we would do a lot of social things around his work. And, And so one of my fears was oh my God, I'm not going to have a social life because so much of what we did was around him. But the bottom line is my social life exploded. <laughs> Actually, to the, point, to the point where I got stressed out. So there is a balance. Okay, okay, that's good to know. <laughs> there is a balance because I got very, very sick after I left my marriage about it was actually the week that I signed my divorce papers. I had closed escrow on my house. And two weeks prior, I said to a couple girlfriends, I am soup, I'm, I'm happy. And, you know, because I was, was coaching, I was writing my book, I was dating, I was traveling. This was all pre COVID but I was stressed. I had taken on too much and I didn't know how to back myself out, but my body did and my body shut down. And I ended up getting vertigo, major back pain, and I ended up in the hospital. So take that as a warning sign too. Like I said, I end up having to have the two by four hit me in the (laughs) Yeah. Well, we all, it does, it happens multiple times. Yeah. Right. But also I had a buildup of stress. Because I was, I was taking care, I was raising my kids, I was taking care of my parents. And part of what happened to me was I didn't have anybody outside of my therapist supporting me emotionally. And this is another really important piece for your listeners is when you're going through this process, it's so, so important to have support through a coach, through a therapist who's been through it and who can understand because I stopped my therapy and I ended up in the hospital for two, well, twice. I left the hospital the first time with a walker and I looked six months pregnant and they could not figure out what was wrong with me. It was really bad. 
Took me six months to recover. I ended up having this unnamed virus with this migrating arthritis. And I have a good girlfriend who's a doctor. And she came to the hospital the second time I was in. And she got freaked out. Wow. They were they were like pulling. I had fluid around my lungs. I had an air bubble on my chest. I mean, it was awful. I lost 14 pounds. I was fainting. I was severely anemic and I eat meat. I mean, it was bad. My whole, it just felt like my whole nervous system was fried. Uh, and that, you know, that's where I think, I, well, that was kind of leads me to the next question, which was really about the role that self-care and self-love played in your transformation. Because yeah, yeah, it sounds like you were having a lot of fun, you were getting out, but really were you taking care of yourself? Well, I am a person who I exercise, I eat fairly well, I am a fairly good sleeper. I wasn't taking care of myself emotionally. And that is really important as you're going through a divorce is to take care of yourself emotionally. And so that's that was a pivotal point for me, obviously, because I had to take everything off of my plate except for my health. And I was doing a few things on my house so I could move in. But the emotional piece is key because my divorce was easier than some, harder than others. It was complicated. Um, and my ex did not always make things easy. And I had to really be strong and fight for what I felt was fair to me. And also, you kind of have to play a little game when you're getting a divorce of, you know, this isn't a time, when you go through a divorce, it's not a time to get um, even with your ex. And one of the things that I would suggest is, which is what I did, is look at who you're divorcing and you ask, what's important to that person? Because I wanted to separate ties as quickly as I could possibly from my ex. But so what's important to them and give that to them. And maybe you take something else in another area. So I did leave some money on the table because money was a form of control for him. I didn't leave money on the table that was going to make a difference in my life. But you, so you have to know who you're negotiating with and be smart about it. And this, and it's super hard, but as much as you can look at it as a business transaction at that point, we do make decisions emotionally through the process, but try and take your emotions out of it. Don't make decisions when you're stressed or you're heightened. Give yourself time. Don't make a decision right there. Don't let them pressure you into making a decision. It's okay for you to take 24 hours, 48 hours a week to get back to them on whatever decision. So that way you're clear and that it feels right for you too. Yes. And take care of yourself through that process, right? And emotionally take care of yourself. Yes. And that doesn't mean like I did go, 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 go. So you don't feel, and, and I did like, I knew like I would cry and I would get, allow myself to do that, but I wasn't processing it with another person. And I think that's a really, really important piece. Yeah, that is huge. 
And, um, you know, I don't, I think a lot of us do that. It's, we put ourselves, we put ourselves last, meaning we're so focused on our kids. Are they going to be okay? You know, oh my God, we're in this fear mode of what about finances? What about, you know, career? What am I going to do, you know, going forward? How am I going to live? And all this mm-hmm. starts, starts, stuff starts swirling and we can't think straight. And so that's where that self-care healing comes into play around, yeah. okay, what do I need emotionally? What do yeah. I need? And to your point, you know, so many of us think it's just exercise and it's not. There's that huge not, emotional piece. I, I, yeah. I always say you have to feel to heal. I love that. Yes. I'm writing yeah. that down. I love that. Yeah. Um, you have to feel to heal. And that and it leads, hurts sometimes. It, it hurts. Does. It does. I, I mean, let's be honest. Divorce sucks. There's nothing good. Of, there's nothing good about it. Whether you make the decision or someone else makes the decision or you're surprised yeah. or not. Um, it just does. And you just have to know that going into it, but you also have to take care of yourself and what you need so you can take care of others. Right. But it's also an opportunity for you to create the life that you want. Yes. Yeah. Out of it. Because you can sit there and play victim. Mm -hmm. You can play victim. What was me and be unhappy and stay in that place. Or you can say, what do I want to create for myself? Yes. And that, that is change. And, you know, we all have these different opportunities that pop up in our life, right? Tragedy, trauma, um, could be death of a loved one, whatever it is. And sometimes those things, as difficult as they are, they're presenting an opportunity to us. And we don't yeah. see it in the moment and we need to go through, we need to do, go through the grieving, right? But it's also mm-hmm. an opportunity. And if we take the time to really just kind of present ourselves in that and mm-hmm. get back to, okay, what do I need so that I can take one step forward every day mm-hmm. towards creating this life that this opportunity that I have to mm-hmm. pivot and to do things yeah. differently. So, and talk yeah. about pivoting. So I want to talk to you a little bit about um, you know, I was reading that, you know, you were a recruiter and then you stayed home as a stay-at-home mom. And mm-hmm. now you are a spiritual life coach and you're an author and doing all these amazing things. Tell me about how you made that pivot. By failing, I want to say by failing, by making, by trying a lot of different things. Okay. Love that. And So before I left my marriage, when my twins were still, my youngest, which are twins, were still in high school, I was trying, I knew I wanted to do something else. I don't, I didn't know if it was, I didn't want to go back to recruiting, but I was thinking about volunteering, doing, you know, starting a nonprofit. I was looking at a variety of things. And one of the things I landed on was coaching. And that really spoke to me. But at the, at the time that I left my marriage, I had started writing my book. And it started out as the Caregiver Chronicles because I had all these crazy-ass caregivers that I had hired and that I had to 
let go. And I had caregivers that were stealing from us, drinking on the job, emotionally seducing my dad. Uh, One, I had to let go after a year and a half because she told me my mom wanted to die and had stopped giving my mom her medication. My mom ended up living another seven years. I mean, just all this crazy shit. So I started as a caregiver chronicles, but by the time I finished my first draft, it was, oh no, this is about the sandwich generation. And so I changed the title and I had to leave my marriage to really give. And that was the pivotal moment in my marriage of, well, there's two pivotal moments. One, I felt like if I stayed in my marriage and by the time I left, my kids were out in college, they'd only been gone for a couple months, (laughs) but I felt like my soul was going to wither away and die. And then the, the second was, this isn't the ending to my book. I had finished the first draft and I'm like, this isn't, I knew it intuitively. I knew it. My body was telling me no. So I wrote, so my book was a very healing, cathartic process for me. And so do something that scares you. Like I was not great. I, I didn't know how to write a book. I started taking classes. And the more I did it, the more I enjoyed it. And I found it meditative. So do and listen to the little whispers and the little nudges that you're finding. And the reason I started writing was because I would come home to my girlfriend's and tell them these crazy stories that were happening with the caregivers. And they're like, oh my God, Lori, you need to write a book. This is insane. Like, you can't make this shit up if you try. <laughs> right. And I was like, ah, I'm like, what did I write outside of a PTA email? Right. Like, mm-hmm. who am I to write a book? Well, who am I not to? So I just kept doing it and I spent. I start, sometimes I would only write 15 minutes a day, but I got into a routine and I started writing every single day for an hour. Some, and then it, sometimes it went to two hours and sometimes it went to three hours, depending on if I got in the zone, in that flow zone. So listen to the little whispers. It's okay to try multiple things. I tried so many different things until I really landed on what I'm doing now, which is coaching women in midlife, mostly around dating and relationships. Speaking of dating. So first, thank you. I I do want to highlight just a couple of things before we move into dating, but, um, yeah, I think one of the things is we are a bit at our own biggest critic, right? And I think letting go of whatever story that we are telling ourselves that is just not true. There are so many that we say to ourselves and it's, it's our mind just making up a story. And so go after what feels good and you can always pivot. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing it for the right reason, I feel, and you're, it it lights you up and you know, you're lead, you're leading with your heart. And for you, like you wanted to give a message to other people, right. And tell the story of what had happened and how incredible 
And you're helping so many people by putting that out into the world. And so, you know, that's why I say to other people, don't hesitate if it feels right. And, you know, energetically, it just lights you up. Go for it. Yeah. And you can always pivot later. So thank you for that. And then I know so many women on here want to talk about dating. It is one of those topics that comes up all the time after divorce. And here I have an expert on here who you have your own program. And so I want to ask you first, and then I'll let you go into your program a little bit. What, when do you know, is there a right time? When do you know when you need to put yourself out there and start dating? It's funny that you say that because I'm, so I have a podcast too, which is what I call my sequel to my book, Confessions of a Free Bird. And I'm going to be doing a three-part series, or I don't know when this is going to drop, but a three-part series um, on my podcast about dating, might be four, still working through that. And it, it, it will have the first part in the series is, are you ready? Right. And, but to give you the short version of that is really, you need time. You need to grieve because a marriage, when you leave a marriage, it's a death. And so you have to, ideally to be really ready for another relationship, you need to grieve that process. You need to grieve what could have been, what should have been, what you didn't have all of those things. And so, and that's all that internal work that we know is really important to do. Um, And give yourself time to, and, and that takes time, right? I started dating probably six months after I left my marriage, which I don't recommend. I, you know, if you're going to put a number on it, I'd say at least a year. I did that because my attachment style is anxious. And so, and I'm a relationship person, but so that was important to me. I've worked through a lot of that. Took me three and a half years to of dating to find somebody. I am in a relationship now with a really, really wonderful man who loves me for me and lets me do my, all my weird shit. And uh, <laughs> he's a keeper. Weird shit. But, <laughs> yeah. And, and he, and yeah, like I'm a giver, he's a giver and it's, it's, it's a great relationship. It's, you know, we don't live together, but, um, yeah, it's, um, it's there, there's a lot of other things. Hold on. I'm just going to, um, you know, the, I think the other really important piece that I'll say there's, there's lots of issue, lots of things to know whether you're ready, but the other really important piece that I'll share is you need to ha- get to a place ideally that you can see your part in the, th- the failure of your relationship. I think that's the other really important piece of knowing that you're ready because 
it's in knowing what your part was, that awareness, so that way you can start changing. Because if you don't have that, you're going to create the same dynamic in your next relationship and your next relationship. And then you're going to wonder what's wrong with you. Yes. Did everyone hear that out there? (laughs) Because I do think, you know, you said earlier, you were talking about, you know, sort of you touched on the victim mentality and we can live in that space. We can get stuck there for a very long time. And there are two people in a relationship and we all have decisions to make and we get to decide how we show up. We get to decide what decisions we make. And Mm -hmm. owning our part in it is huge, especially when we're talking about healing and moving forward. So thank you for saying that. That's huge. Um, Yeah. So, okay. So this program, so, you know, I I don't want you to give away all your little secrets because you've got this exciting um, program coming up. Um, So, so it's, it's called, it's called date differently in midlife. Okay, or I should say that. date differently in midlife and beyond, because I do have some people that are beyond midlife. Not, I don't, um, but it, it, it's all the pre-work that you want to do or that I did. I did it while I was dating. I think it's better to do it before you start dating because it, we, we work on our belief system and, you know, because we're in midlife, we've had kids, things are starting to sag you know, we get crepey skin, like things don't look the way they did when we were in our twenties and I, youth is wasted on the young too, but that's another story. Absolutely. (laughs) Completely agree with that. Yes. But so we work on our belief system. We talk about values, your values and the values you want in a partner. Um, I talk about dating yourself. We, I provide soulful homework to everybody um, on a weekly basis. We talk about manifesting your ideal partner and I give you questions about uh, how to do that and, and for you to really think about that. Because the thing is we need, and, and also um, a really big thing is understanding what it is to feel safe in a relationship, especially if you've been in a relationship that didn't feel safe. And if you never had that as a child, and then you chose that in your marriage, you really need to find that safety and you need to relearn what you need to either relearn or learn what that safety is, is and start moving towards that, not what love looked like in your last relationship or in your childhood. Yeah. It's about changing those old patterns. Right. And in order to do that, you know, we have to, we have to grieve to your point. We have to do the healing. And then we have to really look at what is it from a safety perspective? What do we want going forward? And that's also where that manifestation piece comes in, because I will tell you, I have found the man of my dreams as well, but it didn't happen overnight. It did not happen overnight. Like you, um, I I kissed a few frogs along the way, made some mistakes. (laughs) Yeah. But I wasn't doing the things, you know, that you just highlighted and talked about. I was rushing right in like you six months out of my marriage. 
Um, you know, could th- this loneliness, being alone was just too paralyzing for me that I, I needed to get out there and I hadn't done the things that you just referenced. So yeah, I, I do think that's so important. And so for people out there, um, how can they find out more, Lori, about this program? Yeah, they can go to my website, which is laurieejames.com, L-A-U-R-I-E-E-James.com. I'll assume you put the stuff in the show notes. Yes, I will. I'm also on social media, on Instagram at laurie.james and Facebook, uh, Lori James. I think it's under Lori James author still, but yeah, you can find me there or just Google me. I think Great. that'll come up. Great. Well, Lori, so many amazing nuggets and your story is just so inspirational and i know that you have inspired and provided hope for other women that are listening in today and i know i'm going to go out and get your book that's for sure thank you um so and i'm sure others will today as well so I just want to thank the audience for listening in. Thank Lori for being here today. And um, for those of you um, that are interested in joining the From Mrs. to Me community, you can find us on Facebook at From Mrs. to Me, Rediscovering You After Divorce. And if you like this episode today, please follow us, rate and review our podcast. And until next time... Have an amazing day and take care of yourselves. I hope you enjoyed another episode of From Mrs. to Me, real life stories of real women and their journey of transformation after divorce. I'm Chrissy Freeman. And if you like this episode, please drop a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Do you have a story to share? Are you ready to inspire other women on their journey through divorce? If so, find me on Instagram at from Mrs. to me for more tools and resources on creating your path to transformation after divorce. Follow my community on Facebook from Mrs. to me rediscovering you after divorce.